We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's the MLB DFS podcast for Roto-Wire, sponsored by FanDuel. I'm your host, Joe Pizzapia. And with me today, oh, big time, we got Derek Van Riper joining the program. DVR, what's happening, my brother? I avoided the DL from the move. I hired help, ah. which is very, very smart. For anyone out there who's like moved their own stuff multiple times, and if you're like past age 30, it's time to hire help. Like your friends probably have other things to do on the weekend. You know, dealing with the U-Haul is a big waste. Just pony up the cash, hire young, strong people to move all of your things for you, and you'll be much, much happier when you're done with the process. That is sound advice. In fact, that might be the best advice you're going to get on any program anywhere. You know, there's a stupid macho thing about, you know, oh, I can pick up and move this furniture. You're 100% right. I mean, I'm, I'm plenty strong. My thing is, is I just don't want to do it anymore. You know, I've moved enough friends and moved enough people. You're right. Once you cross that 30 something threshold, uh, you know, couches and stairs and no, no, why? Unnecessary. Are you an unpacker? Are you one of these people that unpacks right away? You know, I unpack what's necessary, right? So the, the new place, just a two bedroom apartment and it's got like a big open kitchen, living room, dining room area. So that main area is good. And the bedroom, like the main bedroom is good. But the second bedroom, which is a shared office for my wife and I, that is a disaster. So we're definitely not the type A, unpack everything as fast as possible. We try to just make a decent living space and then kind of expand out from there with all the fine tuning. So it'll, it'll take us two or three more weeks to get everything the way we want it. But uh, it's, you know, it's, fun, it's fun to go into a brand new place. I don't know if people out there get to do that. I, I live in a place where uh, real estate's booming and there's land. So new buildings get built, right? Like if, if you, like in New York, if you're going to get a new building, it's because something got torn down. Right, somebody got whacked, a, you know. Yeah, yeah, it cost, cost, <laughs> a, cost a billion dollars to build a tower and nobody can afford to live there. 
I live in a part of the country where it, it's actually possible to live in a new place. It's kind of cool to move into a brand new place. And I don't know, it's like a fresh sheet of ice too. For people that like to ice skate or play hockey, like you just kind of make it your own from the start. And that's, that's a nice way to go in. You know what I love about it too, that, you know, you mentioned there's that one extra room now that's just like the, the hub for boxes. That's what happens. Whatever secondary space that isn't being used, that becomes the box hub. Because right, I just moved in, in April, and I know everyone's just enthralled by this discussion, but this is important. You need to learn this stuff. You, you, there's one room that just becomes the hub for boxes and crap, and then you slowly, one box at a time, after you find the bed to sleep in and the food and the pots and things like that and the couch to sit on and watch TV, after that, it's the slow drudgery of trying to figure that out. But luckily, we're not going to hit any more drudge. We're going to go on to DFS here. We're talking about the Thursday slide, slide here on August 3rd. We've got three games in the afternoon, Cardinals at Brewers on the slate here. we got the Diamondbacks at Cubs and the Mets at Rockies. Now, hopefully weather won't be an issue in any of these, but just from looking at this too, you got Zach Greinke top of the board over 10K, and then Quintana at 8.8. And, you know, for me, when you look at Quintana and how good he's been since he's gone over to the Cubs, I've been saying this all along. I thought the whole thing with him was mental this year. Uh, with the White Sox, I thought he did not respond well to the trade rumors in the offseason. I think he was just putting a lot of weight on himself, and it seems like he's just reborn again. He's got a 2.37 ERA in the last three starts with the Cubs. He's 25 strikeouts to just five walks in 19 innings. All of a sudden, you know, the strikeout rate's gone up to 11.8. As tempting as it is to go with Granke, I think, to be honest, I'd rather have a little bit more savings, go all the way up to the top of the board, hitting, get – as many shares of that Mets-Colorado game I want, play some cash games with Quintana. What do you think about that day game slate? Yeah, I think Quintana's the way to go in cash and maybe even in GPPs too because you basically lose to two pitchers in Colorado. Uh, the contrarian call would be rolling Matt Garza out there against the Cardinals at 6,500. I think the problem I have with Garza is that you really can't get a lot in terms of a strikeout upside. He's got, what, one game this season where he's gone over 5Ks actually pitched pretty well overall keeping the era below four you know handling his start capably every fifth day but that's not what we're looking for in tournaments at all really and the cardinals aren't a team that just whip excessively so i don't think you're going to see more than a handful of k's and like a five inning start from garza uh, marquez and montero the two starters in colorado off the board for me so it's pretty much quintana grinky or waka and I think when you consider the win probabilities for Quintana and Grinky, it just makes more sense to save the $1,400 and go with Quintana. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. So that's, look, keep it simple on the day slate. Let's go over to the evening, break down the pitchers. Corey Kluber, top of the board, 11100 Uh He's going to be going against Sunday Gray, making his uh, Yankee debut here. And, you know, there is some rain potentially in that one too. But, look, just to talk about Kluber, I think he's got, what, 10 Double-digit strikeout games his last 13. I mean, the Ks have just been off the charts. Uh, it's really hard to, you know, fade Kluber. And, you know, I understand underneath him is Alex Wood, who when you look at the overall numbers on Wood, they're outstanding. It's been a brilliant season for him. But last week I mentioned this, I, I think, on Friday show, where I was not happy with what happened where Wood had to kind of make that weird spot start and he lasted four and two-thirds. And, you know, it's kind of a weird outing. And I feel like he got off of his rhythm and Alex Wood is such a delicate, fragile piece that that's the last thing I want is Alex Wood to get off his rhythm, and I was staying away from him. And, you know, I know he got the win last week against San Francisco on the 28th, but you know what? He did give up four earned runs, and it's probably one of the worst starts he's had. So he's given up 11 earned runs in his last two. I say don't get cute here, right? Just stay with Kluber in the cash games. Don't even contemplate anybody else. 
Well, I think, yeah, with, with Wood, he also got touched up by the Braves at home in the start before that one against the Giants. Gave up seven earned uh, in that outing. So, yeah, I mean, you won against the Giants, gave up four runs there, had the seven-run outing against the Braves. Well, and that was, the, that was the one where he had to spot. Oh, yeah, that was the early That start. was the spot one, yeah. So the, Which but, is weird for a guy like Wood, who, who we know, like, he's, he's delicate. I mean, let's be honest, right? I yeah, mean, we've I mean, learned I'm that about him. learned that he's not going to be the same guy in August and September that he's been for the first four months. Like, that's a valid concern, I think, because he has had uh, such a difficult time amassing a full season's worth of starts. Like, that's been kind of a recurring problem. The Dodgers have a lot of bullpen depth right now. So they can pull a guy after five innings if they want to. I think that makes really like Wood and Darvish a bit more risky than you might think as we look ahead to these next two months. So I'm with you on really preferring Kluber as the cash option. It's a little bit funny that the Kluber Gray thing, they're two thousand dollars apart. It kind of mirrors the Grinky Quintana uh, afternoon slate thing where you get the two like most desirable guys pitching up against each other. And Gray is cheap enough at 9100 where I'm not opposed to doing that in GPPs. I just don't think I want to roll Gray out there in cash because much like we talked about with Grinky and Quintana, the win probability goes down a lot since you have two frontline starters going toe-to-toe. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a GPP-only contrarian kind of situation where you could throw Gray out there and you figure the ownership might be low enough too where you might get boomer bust there and you might actually make some pay lines. But I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, this rest of the slate is tricky. You know, Eduardo Rodriguez has a little bit of, you know, you say, oh, you know, he's had some good starts over the year, but I know Todd Frazier's not in that White Sox lineup anymore, but they've been hitting lefties all year, that lineup. Uh, you know, Everson Garcia out of that lineup too right now. So it's not the same one, but still those numbers don't bode well, statistically speaking. You go down this, you know, trough here, you got the Newcombs and Eikoffs. It's really difficult. In fact, I'll throw this out there to you. I, I don't love it, but Miguel Gonzalez at 6,300 in GPP, I think you should consider it. <laughs> and the reason oh, why is because man. of Rodriguez and the numbers that just really stack up very well in the White Sox favor against lefties. See, I think there's enough that's changed with the White Sox where their previous success against lefties, it, it's, not, it's not worth avoiding Eduardo Rodriguez over. I think they're going to be at least an average team against lefties because they still have Jose Abreu. They still have Matt Davidson as a righty who can yep. crush lefties. Uh, Tim Anderson's been a disappointment this year, but another right-handed bat. You know, Adam Ingle's kind of an interesting player. You mentioned the absence of Garcia, the departure of the uh, Melky and, and Frazier. That, that definitely hurts them. I think it's, it's wise to like, look at the White Sox differently, righties and lefties, uh, splits-wise, because that's been, that's been the case all year. They're, they're horrendous now against righties. They've been pretty bad all, all year. I think they're going to go from one of the best teams against lefties to like a top-10 sort of team against lefties. So if they're on the road, I can see the case for actually using left-handed starters against them if you like that left-handed starter. I'm not at the point where I'm throwing kind of a, you know, I'm not throwing Matt Boyd against the White Sox right now. Right, right, totally. And, and you know, the only guy I can make a case for, you know, he's only two starts on the year. The last one he had was pretty good, Colin McHugh at home. I know Houston's been a little banged up too. They're missing some of the people that would normally be in that lineup like Springer and all. But, you know, I look at McHugh and I say, all right, there's opportunity there. Snell is an inefficient guy. So at the very least, you hope to get into that bullpen. And look, if you're looking offense tonight too, you know, there's not going to be any shortage. Uh, when you've got Chris Tillman out there on the mound, just him and his seven ERA, I can't believe that Chris Tillman is still going out there every fifth day. 
I'm not sure what kind of death wish they've got here, but the fact that he is going out there again, give me all the Tigers, give me all of that, give me shares of Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I just think that there's a fair amount of offense to be had tonight. Yeah, I like the McHugh call, though, in particular. I mean, he pitched well last time out. Uh, K-rate as a team for the Rays against righties still up over 25% mm-hmm. this season. I mean, they they can ding up mid-rotation guys on occasion, but you still look at them as a team that's kind of feast or famine offensively, and that's where you want to pick your spots in GPPs. McHugh being at home, uh, having the support of the Houston offense, even without Springer and Correa, I think it's a good enough matchup for them against Snell where you like the chances of McHugh pitching deep into the game, putting himself in position for a win, but also piling up six or seven Ks along the way. All right, over a catcher. Uh, I know he's top of the board, expensive Gary Sanchez, but sorry, go Corey Kluber. You have a seat tonight, Gary. Uh, Salvador Perez at 3,300 now. Perez has been one of the safest returns. He's got a good matchup against Giovanni Gallardo in his five ERA. And I've been continuing to roll with the Royals now for the last, I don't know, two weeks and change. And I'm just not getting off that bandwagon. <laughs> I, I can't be shaken. Uh, you got anything, any reasoning you could shake me off of it? Because uh, I, I'm on it. If you wanted to save money just to pay up for other big bats, whether that's like Votto at first or Trout in the outfield or something like that, then you could spend a little less at catcher to get there. Uh, I think Wellington Castillo at 3100 is fine. Anytime he's up against the lefty, he's of interest. What are you doing as far as picking spots against Blake Snell? I mean, I know we, we like what this guy brings to the table from just a pure talent standpoint, but the, until the walks are under control, he's, da- he's dangerous. Like, you, you can't use him on the mound, so you should be able to use hitters against him. Uh, would Evan Gaddis be in the mix for you at 3,000 against Blake Snell? Yeah, if Gaddis is in the lineup, absolutely. I'll tell you what, McCann is not in it, though, because just the historically McCann second-half phase are just something I never want to deal with. And I know we're talking daily here, but I don't care. And plus the lefty matchup, we know that already. But I'll tell you what, if I really want to save money, if Carinos is in the lineup at 2,200, I think it's going to be some offense in that Texas-Minnesota game. I think that's a way that I would go. And I'd say, all right, responsible punt at 2,200. All he's got to do is just basically get on base and return some value and – that helps me with my Corey Kluber cash game lineups at the very least. But yeah, I mean, you know, with this rate, the way it's been going there, I think even Victor Martinez at 27, if he is in the lineup too against Tillman, uh, you know, again, the 7.65 ERA, I, I can't get past that. Martinez has been better since the All-Star break. Uh, not great, but at least better. But clearly showing that he's towards the end of the career. But I think that's a better route for me tonight. Uh, Castillo also decent enough. Sure. Uh, it's not a night to be paying up for a catcher, but you've got a spot there between Perez at 33, Victor Martinez at 27 that with Gaddis in between, you should be able to do some multiple lineups there and, and fit in catchers and, you know, take away budget from catcher. That's what you want to do. All right. First base, Joey Votto, top of the board, 4k Lucas Duda, 39. Uh, you know, let's talk about Duda for a second because, uh, it looks like, I mean, I know some of that work was in Yankee stadium where, that is tailor-made for Lucas Duda, but he's done nothing but rake so far since he's got over in, with the Rays. And you mentioned that they struggle against right-handed pitching, but Lucas Duda, left-handed bat, new to that team. What are your thoughts on Duda? 39, already up kind of pricey, but my goodness, he's off to a good start. I mean, he's, like, he's a 30-homer guy when he's healthy, and health is usually something that evades Lucas Duda, at least for a brief stretch during the season, but he missed a lot of time last year. First half with the Mets, had 17 homers, kind of a team that was struggling to put runs on the board, so those RBI chances weren't there. The Rays, more competent, of course, as we mentioned before. I like him. 
I don't like paying 3900 for him. I think you're paying a tax for damage done in those favorable spots uh, at Yankee Stadium. So I'd, I'd fade Duda, even though it's probably going to be a low-owned situation. I like McHugh enough where I'm probably going to have McHugh in tournaments, and as a result, I'm not going to have any Rays in my lineup. Yeah, I can understand that. You know, and as much as I love the uh, Detroit Tigers lineup, I, I don't think 36 is enough of a discount for Miguel Cabrera, which I can't believe I'm saying that, but I think we're at a point here where Cabrera, where it's just, it's just not a good scene. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're at a point where I think you have to just call it what it is, and it's becoming one of those bad down seasons for Cabrera. And even the other night when it was a good matchup for him, he came up pretty empty there, and he's not returning value. Uh, Encarnacion at 35, that's a, you know right around that same range. Now he's going against Sonny Gray. E5 I feel much better about. Uh, and I know not necessarily Sonny Gray is the biggest home run you know, giver in the entire planet, but if you're asking me for $3,500 E5 or 36 Miguel Cabrera, I feel way better about E5. How about you? Yeah, if I had to choose between the two, it's Encarnacion, even though it's, uh, it's against Sonny Gray, but I would just try to go cheaper. If I'm not going to spend up on Votto, I'll stay away from those second-tier options. Mike Napoli at 2,800 always has that, that power threat. Hanley Ramirez at 2,900. And Derek Holland, we know what happens to the lefties often going into Fenway Park. It's a lefty-righty matchup for Hanley. He's definitely been heating up over the last month or so now. 2,900 is a bargain. On yeah, that was the one I was going to, too. I'm glad you mentioned it because that was next on the list of, you know, why bother when Hanley's right there? And we talked about Jose Abreu. I know there's not a lot left in that lineup, but, you know, Abreu, another one that, you know, the, the matchup is certainly there. All right, let's go over to third base, other side of the diamond. You got Manny Machado at 38, Adrian Beltre, 38, Sano at 37, Freeman back at first base, but it's now still qualifying over at third, which is fun. <laughs> it's just a good time. But the guy that I really want to talk about and highlight is is the Moose because Mike Moustakis is sitting here. It's August 2nd. Now he's up to 30 home runs, 69 RBI, 274 batting average. And I'll tell you what, uh, I know the last couple of games have been quiet, but I love the matchup against Gallardo. I understand the ballpark factor is, you know, not the, the best one necessarily always in, in Kansas City, but it hasn't hindered him this year. And I'm looking at Moustakis is probably the unsung hero of the position this year when guys like Machado and Bryant have kind of underperformed. Moustakas has really been the guy that you could say, hey, this was the late round value. This is the guy in DFS2 that has been undervalued all year and given you great returns. Yeah, even compared to uh, the first baseman, we're talking about Lucas Duda. I mean, I, I think you're looking at a similar profile right now and you're getting $400 discount on Mike Moustakis. I would rather invest in Moustakis than Duda. I know they play different positions, but 3500 of Moustakis seems very fair uh, at this point. What are you doing with Rafael Devers? I mean, if he's in there against the lefty, and this guy has done nothing but hit since coming up, do you play Devers, even though it's a lefty-lefty matchup against Holland, knowing that Holland may not go deep into this game, the White Sox bullpen has been just decimated by trades, and the price is still pretty fair at 3100 well, is it Holland in this one, or is it Miguel Gonzalez on this? Oh, it's Miguel Gonzalez. I was looking at today's. No, oh, that's okay. You know, I, you it's know, even that, better. It's even it, better lefty righty. It is better, and that's that's what I was. That was the point I was going to make. Was I do believe that I think that's where you can make the case sure for Devers. I mean, he's been red hot at thirty one hundred. Uh, this is another one that I would you know put in that GPP world. I mean, he's done nothing but hit, like you said, uh, a really good. In fact, you know, we're talking about Hanley. Um, you know, I had mentioned Gonzalez earlier as a GPP possibility there. I'm throwing it out there. 
but that's a multiple lineup kind of GPP play. That's not if you play in that single entry tournament. Single entry tournament, you got to have more pitching floor. Uh, for me, yeah, uh, Devers and Hanley right now, we're talking about getting some of those. And plus, he's moved up in the batting order too, which is huge. He had fifth on Wednesday. So uh, that's, that's even bigger, you know, I think, pointer up for him and Raphael Devers right now. You ride that streak until the price starts to get to a point. Well, when the price starts to get to 35, 3600, that's when you can, you know, start making these tough decisions. But right now, I don't think it's hard. No, it's until he gives you a reason not to play him, you have to keep going to that. Well, Derek Holland on the brain because he pitched Wednesday night, actually pitched fairly well against the Blue Jays. But I still like Hanley righty righty at 2,900 for what it's worth. I just think where he's at in the lineup, in, in that lineup, capable of doing so much damage, absolutely like take advantage of a discounted price on Hanley while you can. All right, let's go over to second base. Jose Altuve, top of the board. It's expensive. There's no way around it. 4500 is expensive price against Blake Snell, but my goodness, we know what Altuve does against left-handed pitching. And, you know, if you are going to pay up, let's pay up for the man hitting 365. Can we please? I mean, he nearly hit 500, I believe, in the month of July. I don't think he actually did, right? I think he felt just short. I'm correct, right? 470 something, I think I saw. Yeah, I, yeah, but who's, you know, we're splitting hairs, right? Who's counting? <laughs> pretty amazing. I'll tell you the other guy, though, too, if you, you know, there's a big gap between, you know, with no Murphy on this slate and, you know, some of the other guys missing. It's, it's, a, it's a big gap in price between the number two guy, who's Jonathan Scope, who's got the lefty matchup against Matt Boyd. And you want to talk about another guy who's done nothing but rake, it's Scope. And, the power's there. The ballpark factor's good. The matchup is good. Everything points to, uh, you know, this is another one to Baltimore, Detroit. There's going to be some runs in this game. And, you know, if you want to start to get some shares in some multiple spots, I think Scope is certainly one you want to have some shares up tonight. Yeah, Scope was the most expensive second baseman that stood out to me as I broke down this slate. I mean, El Tuve, sure, if you got the money, if you're going cheaper at pitching. Probably going to be a, you know, a tough sell tonight, you know, because yeah. there's not a lot of those uh, great, you know, lower end options where you can go, yeah, you know what, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll take my chances with a quality starter and a big strikeout. There's no Brad Peacock kind of pitcher out there tonight, you know, where you could maybe squeeze an El Tuve in a lineup. Right. So with that, I think I'm looking at scope as the best expensive option, but I'm more likely to end up with Brian Dozier as my primary option. He's 3,300 AJ Griffin going for the Rangers. You know, there's nothing to like about AJ Griffin whatsoever. No, no. So that's, that's one easy spot. Ian Kinsler is, is he in Miggy territory where the discount, even at 3,100, you look at it, you just say, no, no, thanks. I just, I don't, <sighs> I don't want to deal with this because he, he hasn't just, he hasn't been himself this year. And he uh, hasn't, but it's Tillman. And it's funny, you know, we were just talking, Todd Zoll and I were just discussing the same fact about Kinsler. He was saying that he was good with him the other night. And I said, you know, I, I have a problem getting there. I think it was against Sabathia. And, you know, it was another, you know, blah night for Kinsler. Yeah, it, it's getting trickier. I would hold out more hope for Kinsler because of the style in which he plays little bit more contact oriented so he can get you a little bit more points necessarily than the big slugger like Cabrera where you're looking really for Cabrera to you know hit you that bomb at this point you know for whatever reason that's where we're at right now so you have to be honest with yourself uh, you know I want to ask you one question too you mentioned Dozier but for a hundred dollars more Whit Merrifield another guy you know against Gallardo Whit Merrifield's been a guy it's stolen bases hit for power hit for average getting on base, you know, I mean, he's done everything. Do you feel a little bit better with the floor of Whit Merrifield for $100 more than Dozier? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think because of the stolen base upside, he's on a team that likes to run too. So aside from possessing that skill, he has a manager that lets him do it. So I think there's something to be said for that. I think with, with Merrifield, it's like, I want him to be a $3,000 player, not a guy above 3000 So at 3400 I'm kind of naturally looking at those bigger names and, and gravitating towards them because I feel like they're better values, whereas Merrifield is just kind of priced appropriately based on where he's been hitting in the lineup and what he's done over the last eight weeks or so. Yeah, well, I think part of the price is built into him right now is the consistency factor. I mean, he's given you, uh, you know, a lot of three times value at least, you know, and he's given you a lot of upside where he's had a lot of 15 to 20 point nights in there as well, where he's really justifying that. And, it, and it's been tricky right now. I mean, you know, another injury here with Pedroia, he's on the DL, not that he's the greatest option, but the middle infield, especially shortstop where we're going to next, has just been ravaged. You know, when Trey Turner is gone, Carlos Correa gone, you know, you're losing these guys all, all over the place. It's been significantly more difficult. I want to start with Elvis Andrews, who every time I say FanDuel scoring hates Elvis Andrews, and uh, it, it seems to hate him again, 3,500 in this one. Now, it's been a little quieter over the last couple of days, but still, we're talking about opportunity. Uh, he's going to go against Alberto Mejia, I believe, is making the start uh, for the Minnesota Twins. So, Andrews certainly gives you that option there. Uh, Lindor is the top of the board at 42. I have a hard time getting there, but let's go down a little bit further and talk about Gene Segura at 35. That's another guy with a skill set going against Trevor Cahill, who first start, eh, not so good <laughs> with the Kansas City Royals. I kind of believe in what Cahill was doing before he got hurt. I'm just worried that he could be pitching hurt again, and mm. we don't know. Uh, with Segura, it is a lot like Merrifield, a better version of that player where you have this sort of speed foundation kind of bails you out when the power doesn't come through. I uh, like that they're on the road, maybe get an extra plate appearance as a result of the ninth you know, being an opportunity for the Mariners to hit. So I always kind of look for that as an edge if I'm stuck between two players. Uh, but looking at some alternatives it, it's bad like you said like dd gets kluber so that gets right so he's off right if Kluber's you want to go all the way down to the bottom you got ozzy albies at 2k <laughs> but this might be the kind of day where you do it i mean there's there's just enough missing pieces where ozzy albies could be an actual solution the other guy that we i didn't mention at second base that i think is kind of interesting is scooter Jeanette. i mean he's 2900 yeah. going up against chad cool and when Cool gets dinged up, it's by lefties. So that's just one other way to save in the middle infield. Uh, Tim Beckham against Matthew Boyd at 2,500. I was really surprised when the Rays traded him. I mean, not that I expected him to be a part of their long-term plan, uh, but I just thought they were content to keep moving him around the infield. Clearly, they're getting healthier, and that's why they did it. But if I'm going to use Tim Beckham, it's going to be like a GPP or maybe even a cash punt with a matchup against the lefty and in a spot where the Orioles are at home. And I think that's that's what you're looking for because you, you get that extra park boost and Matthew Boyd's a guy that I don't really look at as like a shutdown starter. So I think Beckham can be sort of useful. Yeah. When you mentioned DD too, it was one of my favorite options. I mean, I roll him out there. He's almost like a lineup builder. Like I just kind of go there and I find DD Gregorius. I look at the matchup. If it's good, he's just in there for me. But on a night where you're limited, where you're missing some of the big guys, you're the injury or you're missing them because they're not, scheduled to play and then the ones that you do usually go to aren't available because of the matchup uh, you know it, it it does become tough and this is a challenge today on most Thursdays can be a challenge this one's a little bit tougher than most so I feel like this is a night where you're playing the salary but game that's what you're doing you know we mentioned Devers at 31 we mentioned Albies there at 2k 
you know, those are guys where, you know, if you have the right mix and match of them, you know, heck, you might even be able to roll Kluber out potentially in a GPP lineup because there is that opportunity. And, and that might sound kooky, but <laughs> you might actually be that kind of night. All right, baseball is here. Don't get stranded out on first base without a Rotowire subscription. And don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. So go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible, and users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. Onto the outfield, top of the board, Mike Trout, 48. Aaron Judge against Corey Kluber. Thanks, Aaron, but we're going to pass. You got Mookie Betts at 41, Nelson Cruz at 41. But McCutcheon, I'm going to go down and talk about him. He's got Sal Romano. He's 4K. I said it the other night. McCutcheon was my favorite choice uh, of the high-priced 4K outfielders and above, which I can't believe here I am saying that after the awful start he had. But this is where we're at, and that night he had, well, I don't know, one, two, three home runs. So it worked out. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm saying it right now. Game. Yeah, and, and I'm saying it again. He's my favorite of the 4K outfielders yet again tonight with this matchup. Yeah, I don't, know, I, don't, I don't blame you. I think Mookie Betts against Miguel Gonzalez is pretty viable, too, at 4,100 if you can spend up. And uh, just as we talked about with the uh, problem with Jose Altuve, I mean, Mike Trout's 4,800. So trying to get Trout into the lineup on a night like tonight, uh, is going to be pretty challenging as well. Uh, Justin Upton, you know, pretty interesting to me against Tillman, 3900 kind of right around that $4,000 price range. Uh, Trey Mancini also getting a lefty with that Matthew Boyd matchup. You Love want Mancini. some exposure. I mean, and 3000 is cheap for, for a guy that has as much power as Trey Mancini does. Love him. Love, I, I, look, I own Mancini shares all over the place uh this year and and i think it's great that he's finally kind of you know he's been a guy at every stop of the minor leagues if you go back and look at the track record he always had an adjustment period and then after he got past that adjustment period he was outstanding and then the next day he would move up adjustment period outstanding and and it's been no different last year adjustment period this year he's been terrific i want to talk about odabel herrera to another guy who is finally living up to some of the hype he has got parker bridwell who you know that's another name we neglected to mention Birdwell's 5-1 and one with a 2-8-3 ERA, and I don't want to go crazy about records and things like that, but on a slate where you might be looking for some pitching, that's another GPP arm you might want to consider that's very cost-efficient. Because Birdwell, not overwhelming, but I think can give you the quality start and at least put you in a position to be productive or return on investment. But Odebel Herrera, nonetheless, at 32 in that outfield spot, another guy that uh, has been swinging a hot bat and can get points for you in different ways. Get points for you with his legs. Get points with you with the bat. And that's what you're looking for. Uh, what about Starling Marte at 3K against Romano? Was that another one where you start to add him along with McCutcheon? Maybe a little pairing there uh, in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you get the speed potential. There's pop. Romano's very unproven. Could see some middle relievers from the Reds at some point. Uh, no, no issue at all. Marte at that price is a really nice value. There's a few guys just under 3,000 that I'm looking at. Uh, Mikey Matuk at 2,900. Like that spot for him. Pretty pretty much anybody against Tillman is worth thinking about. And Matuk, because he's an outfielder, maybe gets bumped compared to some of the other Tigers we looked at. Uh, but you look at like Byron Buxton at 2,500. I know he's had a disappointing year. AJ Griffin is bad. The Rangers have blown up their bullpen. They're, they've been pretty terrible all year in relief anyway. It just seems like Buxton in GPPs is still worth thinking about. And the other cheap outfielder of interest, I think, is Jesse Winker. Could be hitting second, 2300 is the price. 
The only real problem with Jesse Winker, the lack of home runs at AAA. Like, that's a big concern. I think he's a legitimate hitter. Got a great eye. I think he's going to be one of those players that has a huge OBP number, a year over year. Probably a better real player than a fantasy player at this point. At that price, though, is it worth filling in with Jesse Winker if he's hitting second tonight? I mean, is that, is that worth it, even though you know there's a very limited home run probability? I, I, I keep coming back to this whole thing, and, and it's funny because Winker, the you know he seemed like he was going to be the complete package the way scouts were talking about him as, as a 20 to 25 home run kind of a guy. Uh, I would say this about him. If he's hitting the right spot in the order, check. Chad Cool, check. Uh, all those things are, are mocking out for him. And if he's hitting in the two-hole, I would use him. It's the same theory you got with Devers, and I'm, I keep coming back to this where you could take these guys – and create a GPP kind of lineup with a couple of them and put Kluber in a pitcher and still get some really responsible Moustakis type bats around it. And I think you can compete. Now, I know some people say, you know, you want to create a lineup that's just going to try to win that top spot and that's how you separate yourself. But on a night like this, I think having a pitcher like Kluber who can drop 60, <laughs> you know, that right off the bat, when there's a lot of other wacky matchups on there, I think there's a lot of opportunity there where it should be strongly considered. And it's not always the case where you want to take that lockdown cash game expensive pitcher and transfer him over. But I think this is the kind of night where you can make that argument. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Derek Van Riper. You can follow me at Joe Pisa PS17. For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great night of daily fantasy.